Would you care to step outside? Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to DC and RMD's Star Girl Edition. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search DC on RMD, the Star Girl Edition. If you want access to all of our DC related content, search for our main feed by simply typing in DC on RMD. And our preferred place for you to listen is iTunes because we need ratings and reviews. So please be sure to give us a five star rating as it does trigger algorithms. And allows more people to see our show. All right. I am Michael Flores, your host. And in the studio is Bobby. Hello. Forget my name there for a second. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was more of a pause for. A dramatic effect. Yes. In case somebody else knew was going to come on. Yeah, I was waiting for you to yeah. just come flying yeah. in like shade. Yeah. You know, Every, your... Everybody was like, oh my God, they got a new host. That asshole's not there. And then it was like Bobby. And they're like, turn off. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And his beard. His red beard. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are back for a second season of. Star- oh, I don't know. We we've been back for a second season. No, of Star we're Girl. back because we've been on like hiatus for a little bit. Yeah, there was a bit of an illness in the studio. Uh, numerous people, but we are here, and we're not going to. We're leave. here and queer and free here for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. That's a nice rhyme there. Yeah, it should be part of the LGBTQ anthem. Here, queer and for the year. Yeah, I hope they're around longer than that. Yeah. And then we can protest Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I think that would be. Uh, um, very good of us. <laughs> All right, let's let's move past this. We are here to talk about episode six of season two, titled Summer School Chapter Six. All right, so there were some big reveals in this episode. Firstly, I want to say the tone of the episode was far different than any episode to date. When you take all of the episodes of last season and you contrast them with Summer School Chapter Six, the differences are glaringly obvious. And I'm glad because when you're dealing with a character like Eclipso, you better give us that darker tone. And honestly, that's something that I had been waiting to see if Jeff Johns would actually do this because for the most part, this is a light hearted show with sprinkles of reality, you know, problems at the home, missing fathers, bad parents, the typical family drama tropes that you see in shows like this. So I wasn't sure if we would get a legitimate tone shift that would parallel the narrative. And I'm happy that they did because the moment Eclipso just entered the scene, everything just got silent. That was one of my favorite parts about the episode, the silence. There was a slight like vibrational underscore that helped emphasize the the tension mm-hmm. of the scene. Yeah. So that was fun. I did like that. Th- then they showed his face and you're like, what is the goblin doing here? Yeah, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't sure. I mean, overall it was okay with the look, but the face, because Eclipso does look like a goblin witch at times. Yeah, but like but, I was waiting for pumpkin bombs to come out. Yeah. I, I'm not sure still how I feel about it. It did. I wasn't, like super enthusiastic about it, but I also wasn't 
poo poo on it, and maybe that's because there were other problems in this episode. <laughs> there was bigger poops to worry about. There were bigger poops to worry about. We did finally get a lot of action, which is something that you and I had been talking about during the previous five episodes. For example, where is the action? Where are those big action sequences? And although the sequences mostly looked fine, uh, it does seem like we finally got a glimpse of the CW budget rearing its head. I mean, we have to remember that this is a show that was on pay television first. It was on the DCU app with a bigger budget. And now they're working within the confines of a CW budget. And we were dreading this. Yeah. And it happened. It finally happened. It definitely happened. And and the reason I think if we weren't watching Titans and Doom Patrol at this point, do you think we would have noticed it as much? Probably not. But the, but the fact is that those shows are going on simultaneously with this. And we cover all those shows here on the network. Right. Where, you know, for example, Titans and Doom Patrol keep getting better in quality. Yeah. Especially since they moved over to HBO, they it seems like they got a bigger budget for some of their sequences. But then you have a show like Stargirl that premiered on the same network as as Doom Patrol Titans, the DC Universe app. And here we see a complete fail in quality. And I don't like to be overly negative on these shows, but in light of having an honest discussion on an episode's quality, I feel like it would be remiss not to mention the less than stellar choreography let's start there uh there were instances that were fine almost everything with wildcat was awful just painfully awful slow obvious delayed swings and kicks the stunt double's body type wasn't even the same as the actress (laughs) space balls (laughs) you joke and yet that's exactly what the body type looked it looked like a stubby male that was standing in place for Yvette Monreal, who's the actress that plays Wildcat. It was so bad. And if that wasn't enough to cause you to get annoyed, the, the VFX was some of the weakest the show has offered. Uh, there were a few CGI sequences that were so muddy that I had thought I lost bandwidth while watching the episode. <laughs> I reset my router. I, I <laughs> checked my speed. I paused and I <laughs> went to, really? yes, I thought it, cause you know how you get that pixelated image yeah. when you lose bandwidth, when it goes from HD to like standard def for like three or four seconds sometimes, uh-huh. that's what it looked like. Right when shade showed up is when it all fell apart. I mean, there was a few other moments before that, but that's what I'm focusing on for the moment. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was painful to watch like what you said the those scenes that were just so crisp and clear last time and it was like a bad episode of arrow before like james banford took over yeah and you're like what what is he shooting at what is this what is going on here um i we talked about it on the phone like a a ball just disappeared Yeah, so Artemis (laughs) throws a ball, I want to say during the first or second act of the episode, to get uh, Chapel's attention, Beth, and to basically taunt her and tell her that, hey, I'm coming for you. I know what you did. And before that, in order to get her attention, she throws a ball, because of course, that's her thing, like her parents. And in the background, the ball just vanishes. I assume they're trying to show spatially that 
distance. You know, as we know, when you throw a ball, it gets smaller and smaller from view. But there was no smaller, smaller. It just vanished. It's poltergeist. Yeah, it was magic. It came out of closet somewhere in some house. (laughs) It was so embarrassing. There was no distinction spatially. There were some sequences where the effects didn't quite look like they were blended properly. So it gives the effect a flat look. There was no depth. It looked like someone placed a pre-rendered effect that they purchased for $99 from a company that promised to heighten their cinematic quality. I get those Instagram ads all the time. So do I. In fact, I think (laughs) I just, I think I copied and pasted that advertisement into my notes. (laughs) Anyone that's worked with VFX, and I know you have too, Bob, a bit here and there, graphics, Mm -hmm. they, they know exactly what I'm talking about. There was no rendering. It was muddy. It, I don't even know if it was the same visual effects team. How can a, a, a budget affect the, the quality this much? But we saw like it, in like, I'm just going to go historically speaking with CW, like the flash scenes were absolutely horrible. 90% of the time. I know. And, and that's what we got here. Like at least with Supergirl and stuff, it's wire work and green screen, you know? Mm-hmm. So like when they were flying or doing whatever they did, it's like that's just been done since the seventies. And so it's not like, I mean, we own green screens, me and Ryan, we could hook it up and, you know, fly a green screen and, and, and edit it together. Yeah. So it's not that hard. Yeah. But with some of the stuff that they were doing this week, you know, like you said, the, the actual visual effects, you know, and it just, it was bad. And it reminded me of, like I said, the old flash days of like, oh, cool. This is a good story. The acting is good. And now I'm out of it because this looks like garbage. And I called that last episode. I know. You know, and you're like, maybe it was because I was watching it on this. I'm like, yeah, watch it again when they do the light versus dark touch and all that other, you know, blobby bullshit that they were doing last week. It looked horrible. And it just confirmed it this week for me. Now, the, to say, like, the some of the fight scenes, there there were, like, awesome parts of it. You know, watching basically mission impossible type bathroom fights, mm-hmm. you know, busting out toilets and shit like that. Like the practical stuff was okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, there were moments within that huge fight scene towards the end of the episode that were just fine. But every time there was a visual effect, it just even star girl on the staff. Yeah. It kind of pulled you out. And that's what I didn't understand. This is something they should have saved. They have used the staff how many times now? And yet even that looked really bad. And they tried to work within the confines. And maybe it was even worse for me because I know how you hide things because I've worked on film sets. So I know how you hide certain, you know, budgetary restraints. And they overused slow motion. They, they, They ramped up the frame rate in order to give us this slow motion effect. I'm assuming because the choreography was so bad in some of these instances, but then it felt comical because you had this really slow scene where Stargirl was on the staff like a surfboard and was going so slow. And then when the tip of the staff hit the the diamond that Eclipso is imprisoned in, it looked so I laughed. I thought it was supposed to be funny for a second. Yeah. It was very 
it was a little disappointing, but I will say yes, to balance out the opening critique that we've just gone through, I will say that the practical, the practical effects for Eclipso for the most part was pretty cool. I wasn't too keen on the overall face um, and any poor quality during that fight scene due to budgetary restraints was smoothed out because of the camera blocking, which was really good. The cinematography was very good and the overall lighting setups were also great. And the sheer intensity, as you mentioned, of the action that didn't need necessarily visual effects. And they were just the, the use of the typical wire work. It was visceral and relentless, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Rick's fight with Artemis. Yeah. And you said it reminded you of Mission Impossible, the fallout scene. And yes, I would agree. But also it was very reminiscent of those Terminator fight scenes where you just break things over people's heads, people go flying through walls and you wonder how they're still alive after. Yeah. After that entire <laughs> the slamming the head through pillars and yeah. And everything else. I mean, yeah, that, that scene, I was like, Oh my God, he's going to drown. How's he going to get out? Of it? Oh shit. He punched a hole in the <laughs> toilet. So it drained. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. There was, <laughs> and that's why this episode was so frustrating because there were cool moments mixed in with just terrible things as well. And and maybe part of it had to do, and and I don't want to justify, it was bad. But also, I think the reason why I'm so passionate about it is because I really liked the character Shade. And I was waiting for this moment. And yes, it was cool because he's suave as fuck when he appears. But he appears into this cloud of smoke that we've seen numerous times. And the cloud of smoke looked good, right? Mm-hmm. Beforehand. Did it not look the same in this episode as well? Did it look poor? It didn't look the same. Yeah. So how do you have an effect that you've been using for five previous episodes? And then for some reason, it looks like shit in this episode. So that was disappointing as well. But as per usual, the writing was on point. And ultimately, that will always be the deciding factor for me when it comes to watching a series. And I liked how the writers, for example, toyed with us all season when it came to Mike. That was one of our reveals. This whole time, we had assumed that Cindy was looking to recruit Mike as a member of the ISA. And as it turns out, it was just about using him as bait. Didn't see that one coming. I didn't. I'm surprised you did it, Bob, because you usually have a pretty good eye for some of these I, things. You, I went with the typical, like, he, she, he's going to get seduced by her because she's hot. Yeah. And he's lonely. Was she extra hot in this episode? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. It wasn't, I was like, Jesus Christ, you're re- I would join well, because it, in a heartbeat. It went from like her in like her schoolgirl outfit to like tight leather and she's very like domineering. Yeah. So that's my jam. Yeah. Punch me in the face. <laughs> Punch me in my fart box and call me a whore. I Well, I don't know about that, but maybe. With your tongue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but they did. They shat all over the kid again. That's the part that made me laugh a bit. because Laugh and then get sad. Because Cindy <laughs> essentially echoes how Mike feels. And we this is, some, this is a bit of an ongoing thing with you and I since we started covering this last season. Mm-hmm. They continue to just kick this kid when he's down. He never has anything good happening to him. They gave him a bit of a, a redemption in the finale last year that he, ultimately he's the one who took out the villain on accident, on accident <laughs> but it was, it was so perfect. But here we are again, you know, just time to shit on Mike time. And 
the whole idea of it is sad because it does echo how he feels that he can't do anything and he's got no value. He has no purpose. And although this is sad, there was a moment of realization that, that his life kind of parallels his father as a sidekick because we know that Pat was left out of some of the bigger dangers as they alluded to last season. Mm -hmm. I mean, now it's a little different because he's essentially the leader of the pact. He's not really a sidekick any longer. Yeah. He is the, the man behind the plans essentially. But before that, I mean, how does Pat not feel what his son, I mean, I I would assume there'd be a little bit more empathy there because he is sidelining his son, much like he's been sidelined as a, sidekick to Starman. Well, maybe he understands now. You think so at that, those like, last uh, few moments there? <clears throat> when, no, well, no, I'm saying like, wouldn't you sideline your son if you watched all your friends die fighting these people? Well, yeah. So what, you know, I would, it's just, just like I wouldn't like if I was Barb, I would tell, I tell Courtney, like she can be a crime fighter when she's done with high school and you've graduated and you're 18 years old because if I'd you're be trying six, to get, I'd be trying to get my daughter pregnant early to get her out of crime fighting. <laughs> I don't know if that's any better. That sounded well, weird. Can we my, cut that out? Because I said no. I would get my daughter pregnant. <laughs> what a freaking sicko. Yep, you that, heard it here first. That, that, so uh, I, I would like to There's gonna be officially a, resign from the Rain Man Digital Network for things I've said on the air. I think uh, <laughs> studio employees are going to stage a walkout yeah. protest. Yep, Ryan's walking out right yep, now. Yep, there we go. We're we're now down to ten. So I guess ultimately the question when it comes to Mike, where do the writers take a story next? Because if they were trying to prove a point, the point is proven. He's scared and he wants to protect himself. So at this point, it feels like Pat may finally tap into that more empathetic side and realize that his son needs to protect himself for his own. Uh, self-esteem issues, but also wouldn't it be better if his son can protect himself? And that's what I would ultimately, if we lived in this hyper real world where villains are legit, they exist. I would probably want my son to, I I would like him to have the ability to protect himself. I would, I would probably compare it to, you know, training your kid with a gun. You know, I've I've said this before. If I had a daughter, first thing I'm going to do is put a gun in her hand and say, shoot any dude that comes up to you in the dark. I'm like, don't even ask questions. Just turn and shoot. And then you went and checked on your daughter. And and then I got killed. And I got killed. And I no longer have a penis. (laughs) It's a very pedo type of show, isn't it? And and I don't know if it's just, you know, Ryan's reactions to everything we say over there. Um, but but isn't that the whole point of, you know, rebuilding the robot at this point? He's going to take over. Yeah. You think that's what they're going to do with him? Oh, why not? I mean, I mean, he, he's building that relationship up with Zeke. He's going to the, the dump to find parts. So, yeah. Okay. And they, took, they dismantled the robot now, you know, in a budgetary cut. When it comes to comic books, I know you don't know a whole lot about the star girl world, but I'll ask anyways, does Pat have a son and does he build a robot like stripes? I don't know. This is that, like I said, outside of my, yeah, my knowing. And I have, 
and you and I both have made it a point not to really look up a lot of stuff when it comes to this show. No, because I think, I think it's better. I mean, because I, I don't have any expectations at this point for storylines or anything else. I mean, that's why Flashpoint was such a horrible experience for me. Yeah. So, and, and maybe not knowing is a great thing because you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, that's true. So, I guess just to segue over to the rest of the the characters, you can take that same question that I posed for Mike and do the same thing here. The question of what comes next also applies to the rest of the season because this show continues to subvert expectations. You think they'll do one thing and they do the other. And we are just now, when you think about it, we are just now moving into the second half of the season. I believe there are 13 episodes for the second season. Yes. And when it comes to writing, and this is something you might appreciate, because I know you watch these two shows as well. This show shares a lot in common with the Vampire Diaries and the originals, which before anyone snickers, they were both very well written shows. Right, Bob? Uh, Yes. Uh, uh, I can tell you, I used to lay in bed and Deb would watch this. And I'd be like, why are you watching another vampire show? Because they, they came out in that like era of glittery vampires. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck, this is actually really good. Yeah. They're both very well written shows. And just to, I guess, clarify my comparison, they, they broke their season up in many act structures. For example, they created this intricate act structure that was broken into episodes rather than the traditional serialized format that typically goes beginning. Let's work our way to the middle and then we're going to work our way to the end. There isn't definitive act breaks. Whereas with the originals, vampire diaries and star girl, they'd bring resolution to plot elements in a way that you never expected. And they flip it on you and say, no, this is what the season is really about. And by the end of the season, you get this complete image of the story that shows just how seamless every big resolution flows into the next to tell an even even bigger tale. And it seems like they're doing the same thing here, right? Because how many moments have I already said in our discussion? I want to say I I want to say it was the second episode, Bob, where you said, well, Mike, I know there's we have like 10 more episodes to go. Like, why are you so definitive about this? It's because. I am already starting to see those moments of resolution for certain things. And they've done that now through various moments. I want to say at least three different times. Now they have switched it up and said, no, this is the direction we're going. I feel like this writing team is doing, I think a good job doing that. And if they are doing this in order to subvert expectations, then by all means, please continue to do so. Uh, Yeah, it's, it was interesting to watch this whole, like, in my head while I was watching. I'm thinking, wow, they're having their big JSA, ISA fight now. Mm-hmm. I'm all, there's no way that this is, they're going to win. But, like, this is going to be, like, the downer. And the ISA is going to go, and they're going to have to regroup as a group. And then when they won, I was like, what the fuck are they doing here? And, it, you know, just to reveal the bigger threat out of that for the rest of the season. Yeah. That, you know, you saw both sides of it, good and bad, look at it going, holy shit, like, we have issues now. 
it, it just it's an amazing type of thing that they did there. And now we have, like you said, seven more episodes to build this guy up and figure out what's going to go on there. And hearkening back to an earlier topic, not only are they, you know, going in this other direction that we didn't foresee coming so soon. No, I remember I said it was going to be next year. Yeah. Because we know based on interviews that the showrunner, Jeff Johns had mentioned that, this season is basically a, 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 a one parter that then goes into the second season. And I believe they've already shot the second season. If I remember correctly from the interview. They, so they better. That, Cause Rick's going to be bald if they wait. Too long. <laughs> yeah, dude, I cannot get Dylan Kincaid. Is it Dylan Kincaid? Yes. Is that, I cannot get him out of my mind now when I see him, because you said here, did you said Dylan, right? Yes. Yeah, he does look like fucking Dylan, dude. He looks like Luke Perry hanging yes. around a bunch of fucking kids. He looks exactly like Luke Perry, and he even has that. Oh shit! What's that actor that died young that everyone models himself after? Franco kind of looks like him a bit. I always forget his name. Who died? He yet? died in a car crash in the fifties. Oh, uh, James, James Dean. Dean. Yes, James Dean. He has that James Dean vibe. He does that thing with his eyebrows, and every time he makes these mannerisms, I'm like, dude, you are not. 17 years old no you've got to be closing in on 30 (laughs) yeah you might have a kid that's 17 and that's why i feel a little uncomfortable after this episode because it does seem like they might be pairing him up with beth did you get that vibe yes but also beth is might be the most useless superhero ever (laughs) no she just became like the fat girl in the corner going it was like pat like the old saturday life what do i do i was like wow you're useless yeah let me project shit with my glasses that's your superpower that have no relevance to the actual sequence like i can walk through those well i rewound to see if it meant something like was it something was it something that artemis would know it was artemis right that was trapped inside of the yeah like of her parents wanted posters yeah i guess that's I don't know. A, a distraction seeing her parents. Who knows? No, but, it was, I have to give this bitch something to do in this scene. Yeah. It felt weird. And, and maybe it's because she doesn't have the assistance of Chuck any longer, because at least when he was in her head, he would coach her. Yeah. And now she's completely on her own. Yeah. But it does feel weird if they are, or it will feel weird in my opinion, putting Beth and, and Rick together in a relationship because Beth, do you think they're going with the relationship because we're on the CW or do you really believe that? If this was on HBO max with the rest of the shows that it should have been with, I would say they're trying to show that Rick is softer than we had thought that he has a big heart and he's willing to, to allow Beth to have a voice and make sure that people hear her when she speaks and he wants to protect her because of writing reasons, right? Hey, he was a bit of an asshole last season. Let's show him a little softer. That's how I would probably reason. But, but because this is on the CW, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking where are the relationships in this show? Because there are none. When you think about it, not no. even Stargirl. Stargirl has no relationship. They keep, teasing that relationship with Cameron, but we know that's not going to go anywhere because we know what is going to happen to Cameron eventually. Mm -hmm. So the show has no relationship and that is a direct violation of CW protocols. Yeah. They're going to get kicked out of Vancouver. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I don't have any relationships here. 
And also, they don't have any gay people. Have you noticed that? Because uh, in small towns, there might be one gay person. And they're in the closet. That's that's true. Maybe it's Mike. Maybe Mike will come out as... I mean, legitimately, they're lucky they got a black family. That is also valid. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the Midwest small-ass town. Trying to be realistic here. They don't want to go a Riverdale route and make up this fictitious mountain town with a a middle eastern mayor yes that makes no sense whatsoever what mountain city is this because i'm sure all the rednecks would have killed her immediately (laughs) so dumb yeah but sticking with beth i do like what they did with beth in this episode when it comes to her character development uh she's gained enough self-confidence to finally share her feelings with her father Rather than simply be the obedient daughter that never questions a thing and is all but neglected by her parents, she is a doormat. Her mentality is very much that. She gets walked all over, and the worst part about it is that it's her parents that do it. They just take advantage of her kindness. So I felt like her going to her father's job to tell him that it's not okay that this is happening to their family that was a significant amount of character development because it shows that her being a superhero, even though she's kind of useless at times, it does show that it has empowered her. Yeah. And I feel like in a show like this, when your entire show, the premise from the first season was about gathering the misfits, the people that didn't fit into this town or into society, if you will, So to see them slowly, I don't want to say assimilate because that's a word that a lot of people don't like in today's social environment, but she is becoming uh, an adult with, with her own desires and wants, and she's not afraid to to share them. Is that, did you get that? Does that make sense? No, no, it totally makes sense. I just, it, it, it was such for me, like I forgot that scene was this week. Yeah. Cause it was at the beginning. Right. And yeah. then we all went and then they went through the whole fight scene. Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't really dig that much into it because it just seems so just like insignificant for me, like as a viewer, because there was so much other things going on this week. And I think you bring up a good point. I think you bring an issue to the surface, Bob, because even though I feel like overall the episode worked just fine the way of writing, that might have been a mistake to put that aspect in an episode like this because you're right. Something as pivotal as her development as a character, it shouldn't get lost. And you do forget about it. In fact, originally it wasn't even in my notes to to cover because I was so focused on the big reveals and the fight sequence. Yeah. It, it's not, it, it it's wasn't a character development episode. It was a true mid season finale type thing. Yeah. And, and it fell out of place. I liked it, but it did feel out of place yeah, in the script. It, like I said, it, it, for me until you mentioned it again, I didn't even think of it as a thing. I was like, I, you would have told me that, that the whole color coded books and all that other stuff was this week. Mm-hmm. I would have called you a liar. Yeah, yeah, that was a couple weeks ago, man. It would have made more sense if they would have done something with that scene that connected to a later moment in the episode. For example, when her father walked 
down the steps of his job and he looked up at the eclipse. I thought he was going to be the vessel for Eclipso. Oh, that would at least made more sense of the scene because they bring a character in to use him. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Now, when it comes to shade, he also seemed to have been in the dark a bit. It doesn't seem like he was as privy as he had thought, which I thought was funny since he keeps telling people, you have no idea what you're messing with when it comes to Eclipso. And Correct me if I'm wrong or if you got another feeling or vibe from this sequence, but when Eclipso said or told Shade that his power won't work on him because it's from the same place that I'm from, it seemed like Shade didn't know that because he shakes his head like in a no fashion. Yeah. Did you get that? That he had no idea? Yes. Okay. It was that dude that thinks he knows everything but doesn't. Yeah. And now that whole scene then is very peculiar because remembering Eclipso's origins from at least comic book canon, Eclipso is the former angel of vengeance and the wrath of God. He was replaced by the specter. So Shade has God magic then? Or are we to assume that... Jeff Johns has taken some creative license with Eclipso and that's not really what he is or was because they haven't quite alluded to that in this show. Have they anything pertaining to the vengeance or the angel of vengeance or the wrath of God? But do you think they're doing that just to stay neutral? Possibly. I mean, it it, elaborate on that. I'm just, I'm just trying to process in my head right now. Because, you know, when you bring in religion and all that other stuff, you might be turning people off or causing some kind of issue. So if you don't make mention of it being some kind of godly like power, it's some altered dimension. You're not, you know, throwing that out there of like a a Lucifer type scenario. Yeah, you might be onto something. It might not fit the vibe of the show. Yeah. Or even because how, like, how would you explain that to it's too big? You know, it's also very big. It's a big thing. Do you really want to take this show down that route? Because you can't just slightly meant you can't have Pat, Pat say, Oh, by the way, uh, Eclipso was the angel of vengeance and the wrath of God. That opens up a big can of worms that you need to actually get into. And I don't think they can actually get into all of that yeah. in the 13 episodes that are yeah. allotted for this. Then Rick's season. like, I don't believe in God, so I don't believe in him. You got your characters down because it does. He is the character that would say that. Yeah. Well, black people like church. So do Mexicans. We saw we saw the candles getting burnt for the booby shots. So. Oh, well, then, you know. What's her face? The titty girl. She would be yeah, all about it. That's what I'm saying. She believes she would just drop and start praying. She li- she light a candle. Those be you. Oh, all right. So we'll see what happens. It does seem like they were going that direction when they first mentioned Eclipso. I want to say two or three episodes ago when they had investigated his origins and they had said he's from some island where he was imprisoned because the island uh, had to cut itself off from society or something like that because of the influence or no one ever heard from this island ever again. It did feel like they were trying to say he was something very different than mm-hmm. the original origins of 
Eclipso. So. Yeah. All right. We will see. Yeah. Uh, Violin Boy is dead. Thank God. Yeah, he was he was far too. Yeah. I was tired of the Charlie Daniels band fucking <laughs> devil goes down to Georgia's yick like halfway through that fight scene. Uh, well, I'm just like cut his arms off and his power's gone. Yeah. Knock the bow out of his hand. Yeah. Just someone take the violin out of hands. That dude had time to tune it to shoot it at you. How, how did someone not just <laughs> drop kick him? You know? Yeah. End of threat. It's over. Yeah. So uh, he, he broke a string. I'm sorry. He's dead. Now he is for sure dead. In my opinion. Whereas Cindy, I have a feeling is just imprisoned because Eclipso picked a piece of the diamond. Uh huh over to her and that's when she fell into this black ooze of nothingness. So I'm assuming that she has been imprisoned. Okay, so we already have one character in prison. Do you think it's the same? Oh. Um uh Dr. Midnight. Mm-hmm. It could be. Cuz we had assumed that he was trapped in Shade's illusions, right? But if they're both made from the same. Yeah. That actually makes really Good sense, which means that Cindy is probably going to come back again this season because we know Dr. Midnight will probably make his debut mm-hmm. soon. So we'll see where that goes. So yeah. there's a lot of things that you, you are right in your assessment that this feels like a mid season finale. I really didn't think about that until you said it, but this is the midpoint. Yeah. So well, they, they did it right. Yeah, for for sure. There's a lot of things they mo- they gave us reveals. They moved the appropriate pieces in place to get things ready for the second half, and we are ready. Yeah, and there's a bigger threat. Yeah, I will say that scene at the end when Eclipso transformed into a kid was creepy as fuck. Uh, I don't like kids, anyways. And that was and that, creepy. That, that form wasn't that unsettling. Yes, it is. The way he was giggling down the street in the darkness, I was like, no, no bueno. I was about to quit. <laughs> That's not good. No, that's right up there with snakes and clowns for me. Yeah, no, I would think kids and dolls for me. Little kids and dolls are. So you're not watching the new Chucky series? No, um, no, no, not at all. <laughs> I don't mess around with that shit. All right, so let's move into our final thoughts. Uh, Bob, why don't you start things off and also RMD score? Uh, I'm going to give this one a 75. It would have been a lot higher if the special effects didn't take me out of about, I don't know, half the episode. Um, because the storyline and everything was there. Uh, again, I think the, you know, the use of some of the characters, uh, in the special effects and stuff like that, like I said, just kind of, it took me out of spots and that's kind of how I have always done it if I have a like a question about something something's wrong and this was the first time that since the you know it's CW exclusive debut we've seen it yeah and we've been dreading it yeah and we knew it was gonna happen and like I said I was joking with you on the phone. They took the robot apart so that they don't have to do scenes with the robot anymore. Yeah, we forgot to mention that, but uh, you are right. That is definitely why they- that, that that is a budget cut. That that is nothing else but that. And so that's got to hurt as a showrunner. You know, you had a larger budget. You made such a a wonderful first season. People were blowing you. Literally, the the, the internet was blowing Star Girl last season. Yeah. 
and now you're restrained to shitty CW budget. That's got to hurt. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm sure it felt similar to Supergirl. You know, going oh, going, from- go, going from a giant budget on CBS. Yeah. Oh yeah, to probably uh, two or three percent of that. A uh, giant budget in LA for Supergirl. Yeah, and 14 million <laughs> people watching. Yeah, yeah. To uh, 500,000. Yeah, the Calista Flockhart going. I'm not going to Canada. Yeah, best career move she's ever made. Yeah, besides marrying Harrison Ford. All right, so 75 percent. Yep. I will say. My score is 77%. I don't disagree with anything you said, Bob. Unfortunately, the writing was good, but it it wasn't good enough to make up the ground percentage-wise to make up the difference. The, the visual effects was awful. Yeah, well, you're crutching up legitimately 15 minutes of the show. Yes. <laughs> it, and then to make it worse than that, you have awful coordination for numerous fight sequences, which does not make sense because we didn't mention this earlier, but the director of the episode, (laughs) are you ready for this, Bob? Uh Uh-huh. The director of the episode, his entire career is not directing. Oh, he's a stunt coordinator for movies like Ant-Man and Captain Marvel. See, he's just, but it's, it's, he's used to bigger budgets. Maybe that's what it is, or maybe yeah. he's a good stunt guy and awful at actually directing. But I was, I was so appalled by some of the fight scenes in this episode that I had to look him up, and I was completely shocked that he had worked on Ant Man and Captain Marvel, just to name a few. Yeah. Well. And that's why I'm giving this a 77%. It was going to be lower, but as I was walking through this episode to do notes and I talked myself, I talked a percentage up a bit because there are good moments in the ways of writing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Disappointing though. And I hope we don't have many more problems like this. I I don't see it it getting better. Episode 13 when they have the final fight. Yeah. It's just disappointing because this is what happens with every CW show. It seems it starts off with a bang. Well, I should say DC CW shows. They start off, start off with a bang and then they fall apart. Yeah. So let's at least keep the writing there, please. All right. This does bring us to the end. Before we go, I do want to remind people that we do have a Patreon page and we ask that you please subscribe to our Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com slash Digital. You can pledge, you can join. It helps us stay on the air. Uh, Without those subscribers, we just can't do it. We need those funds. It's really the only way we can make our money. So please do so. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. Thank you, Bob. You. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 